With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Ricky B, Robbie B, episode 44, Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle, and just wrapped up episode 43, Oregon Ducks football. Check it out. Unreal story, crazy story, and we're going to come at you with another one today. We left. So to paint the picture, Oregon's getting stomped out. And before I, before we get going, Rick, what are you wearing? Rob, I've got the sleeveless look going. I got the guns out. We're staying strong in quarantine, working out, exercising, taking care of the body, both mentally, physically. We're ready to rock and roll on this podcast, episode number 44. All right. Well, I, when I put this up, you know, people are going to see those flabby arms, man. They're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. There ain't no flab over here. There ain't no flab. That's not even a word that I use because there's no flab over here. All right. Moving on. So we got episode 44 here, Sleepless in Seattle. Paint the picture for you guys. We went to the Oregon Ducks football game on Saturday. They were getting absolutely destroyed by Utah. It's one of the few times Rick and I have ever left a game before it was over, but we needed to make that long haul from Eugene, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. And that's about a seven-hour drive right there. That's a, that's a chunker. And uh, what was great about it was, you know, we, we stay in touch with friends. We ask for friends to hook us up with places to stay. And Mike Chu, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, the Brothers Brandt, thank you, because you hooked it up with your cousin, Camille Chu and Matt. And we got a, we got a chance to crash with one of our dear friend, Mike Chu's cousin, who we've never met. And it was probably one of the most bizarre episodes, bizarre things ever. Um, we've never met them before, but I was calling and texting Camille and saying like, hey, we're going to come up. And obviously they got the good word from Mike to, hey, these guys are okay. They aren't serial killers. 
Um, they're just going to come and sleep on your couch for a couple of days while they do an epic sports road trip. And I remember, Rick, we left uh, Oregon Ducks late and we rolled up at like two, three in the morning. And Camille's like, hey, I'm going to be uh, sleeping uh, when you guys come in and then probably leaving by the time uh, you guys get up because I have to go to work. Um, but you know what? I'm going to leave you directions. And she lived in this uh, apartment complex. And she, um, it was like two or three in the morning. And she literally taped signs everywhere leading up to her, her door. And you got to picture this apartment complex. There's signs taped up that say Rick and Rob this way. I like, I knew we were going to be okay. But at the same time, I go, this is exactly how serial killer shit happens right here. We get lured in. We think it's going to be one thing, turns out to be another thing. But, you know, we, we go anyway. It's me and Rick, you know, two guys, fit guys. I think we're going to be okay. And she, the key's underneath the mat. We get the key. We open it up. And, uh, and then all throughout the house, we turn on the lights, try to keep it down to a, a, low, a, a low roar. And, you know, we just find the couches. Camille did the same thing. She taped up little signs everywhere, food this way you know, your bed here, Rick's bed here. And I go, oh, I don't think we're going to make it through the night. I think this is how it ends. Rick's sleepless in Seattle. And uh, <laughs> um, we end up waking up the next morning. And uh, I don't even think we hung out with Camille. Uh, <laughs> and we just got our swag and uh, changed into Seahawk gear because now we're at Sunday, Sunday morning. Beautiful Sunday in Seattle. If I recall, Rick, the weather was probably 70, 80 degrees and sunny for the Seahawks game, which never happens in Seattle. It's raining like cats and dogs. But we wanted to go and check out Seattle, dressed in our Seahawks gear. We went into the city probably around like, what, 8 o'clock in the morning? Game was at 1 o'clock? Yeah, we got in there early, Rob. We wanted to check out the city hours before kickoff take it all in as the energy was building exactly what we did on a perfect afternoon at CenturyLink. Yeah. And what was so cool is this is 2015. Uh, earlier that year in February, the Seattle Seahawks played the New England Patriots in what will go down as arguably one of or the craziest endings in Super Bowl history where the interception was thrown by Russell Wilson on the two-yard line when they should have handed it off to Marshawn Lynch. So if you guys remember, that was the Legion of Boom. That was Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, Russ is cooking. And the Seattle city was electric with the 12th man. Um, you know, they made a name for themselves with their roar and how loud they were. And at eight o'clock in the morning in Seattle, there are 12th man flags hanging from every window, hanging from every banister, every deck. And it's just painted this teal and, uh, and blue, which, and, uh, you know, seafoam green or whatever it is, neon green. And it was pretty, pretty sweet. Like the city was alive. They were electric with, um, excitement. And, the Seahawks were playing the Bears. Um, and Rick, why don't you talk about like when we went into the stadium? Yeah, sure. So like you said, Sunday morning, we're ready to roll into the stadium. And like always, we want to be one of the first people in. So if it's a one o'clock Pacific time get kickoff, we are probably rolling in at around 11 o'clock that morning. 
And I'll always remember this, Rob, because you and I walked in, they scanned our tickets, they checked us like all the times you've ever walked into a stadium, but they did something different that nobody's ever done before when we've gone to a sporting event. And they handed us, remember this, they handed us these earbuds to put into our ears to help with the noise because they, they are known for being the loudest stadium in the world. Like they set records for the decibel level that it gets to during games when their opponents on offense and the noise that the fans are generating are reverberating off the walls of the stadium, which by the way, is architecturally incorrect. I'm just kidding. It's actually fantastic. It's one of the coolest design stadiums ever. And you'll have to Google it, check out some images if you're not familiar. But Rob, the stadium is set up in a way where the noise just like, it just off your ears. I mean, my ears were ringing for, for a day or two after that game. Cause you and I, we laughed when they handed us the earpieces. But then as soon as the game started, we were like, where are those things? I need them. I need them. It's getting loud. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So it was good. Um, the, the, the noise was pretty nuts. Uh, when the Seahawks are on offense, it, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone's respectful of uh, Russell Wilson calling the plays, calling the shots, making sure that uh, they're able to move the ball efficiently down the field. But as soon as the Seahawks turned to defense, oh, my gosh, so loud, so aggressive. Um, it's one of those things you got to be there to believe it because you can't really hear it on TV. It doesn't do it justice. And, uh, you know, the game was absolutely terrible in terms of the Bears. Um, it was the Seahawks versus the Bears. And the final score ended up being 26 to nothing. It was a blowout. The Bears didn't even show up. It was a practice. I think, I think that's the first time ever in the history of me going to NFL sporting events where I saw a team get shut out. Like, you and I are, are, well, we were Jets fans. I transferred over to the Eagles fandom. But, you know, we, we're used to teams sucking, like, really bad. Like, the Jets just being terrible. And they still somehow got three, seven points on the board, you know, maybe six, maybe a missed field extra point, but embarrassing by the Bears. And there was one major thing that came out of the, uh, the event that day. Uh, for many of you, Brothers Brant faithful, who have been following along since day one. Day oneers, thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but you'll remember, Rick and myself went to Super Bowl Media Day where we snuck, on the, uh, snuck into Super Bowl Media Day, interviewed Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Pete Carroll, uh, and had a ball. We ended up going to the Patriots-Seahawks game as well and being there for that Super Bowl. But during that Super Bowl media day, we met a, a female reporter named Joyce, and she reports for NBC Seattle. She's a big deal in Seattle. Joyce, she's got tons of followers on Instagram and Twitter. And we just happened to be standing next to each other, uh, right next to Richard Sherman. We were both trying to interview Richard Sherman, uh, myself being a fake reporter who snuck in, and her being a very legit reporter. And we end up making conversation. I think I commented on her glasses. She had some Seahawks swag glasses. And um, we were just having fun shooting the shit. And uh, we, Rick, and, uh, Rick and I knew we were going to Seattle. 
during the fall to go to a West Coast sports road trip because that's how far we, uh, we plan out our trips. So I got down Joyce's number and we started texting leading up to Sunday and reminding her who we were and we're coming in and we're going to watch the game. And she's like, oh my gosh, you got to meet us. And Rick and I, of course, bought nosebleed tickets to this event. But Joyce was like, no, no, you got to meet us. We'll get, you, we'll get you down closer. And we sat like probably 10 rows back behind the field goal posts and had a great time with Joyce. She ended up taking a couple of pictures of us. And it was so good to reconnect with her. But what was really funny is Joyce knew us as quote unquote reporters. Uh, she didn't know us as the brothers brand who snuck into Super Bowl media day <laughs> like everybody else. She thought we were legit reporters that day because we had to be or else we were going to get the boot. So we pretended to be reporters. And one of her questions to me was, hey, Rob, so how's, how's reporting going? How, how's it going? And, um, you know, I, at, at the moment, you know, we're 10 rows back. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying the experience. I didn't want it to be an awkward situation. So I lied. I literally lied right to her face and said, oh, it's going great. It's going great. You know, taking a little backseat, doing a little bit of uh, more actual work. But uh, yeah, reporting's going good every so often. And kind of brushed it off. She goes, oh, that's good. That's good. And then what does your brother do? And I go, oh, he does, um, he does voice commercials. Like, <laughs> I think we just made up something for you to do voice commercials. <laughs> um, and then uh, we kind of left it at that. But then Joyce was like, hey, why don't you guys come in tomorrow at 5 a.m. to the studios because we're going to do, we would love to do a story on you guys doing 10 games in 10 days. That's so cool. Nobody does that. Come into, the come into our studio 5 a.m. tomorrow. And I know it's early, but it's going to be a blast. We'll get you out of there. It'll be good. You'll have some breakfast. And Rick and I are like, free meal? Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Rick, anything you want to add on that front? Spot on. Spot on. And uh, just a few hours of sleep. And we were up early the next morning because we had a show to do. We had a show to do, but I remember that night, Sunday night, pacing back and forth where we finally met Camille and Matt, who are phenomenal, by the way, um, super nice. And uh, we were sharing the story and I was like, guys, guys, I don't, I don't know if I feel comfortable going on air saying that I was a reporter. Like, I don't think, I don't feel comfortable doing it. And Rick, you're like, well, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, Rob, you got to tell Joyce. You have to tell Joyce the truth about how we snuck in the Super Bowl media day. And I was like, you know, this is the first time I'm going to tell the truth to somebody that wasn't our friend that obviously didn't know that we were, that knew that we weren't reporters. Like, this is the first time we have to tell someone that we duped, kind of. So co confront, you know, Joyce. So 5 a.m. rolls around. We come to the studio. We're dressed up in our Seahawks swag. And Joyce is, uh, you know, getting us uh, ready for the interview super early in the morning. And she's like, all right, guys, we got about like, you know, 20 minutes until you guys go on air. We're just going to do our segment. And she starts typing up like something on the computer. And she goes, hey, I'm just doing your intros right now. How do you guys want me to intro you guys? Like, uh, are you guys still reporters? You want, me to, you want me to put that in? And um, I knew at that moment I had to say something. So I said, Joyce, I got something to tell you. And, she, and you know what's funny? And I was like, remember how we told you we're, we're brothers reporting from New Jersey? And she just goes, yeah, you guys aren't brothers. And she like made a joke, which cracked the ice. And that opened up the floor for me to go, no, we're brothers. We're just not reporters. And it was at that moment that her jaw dropped because she put two and two together 
And she goes, wait, you're not reporters. How are you reporting during Super Bowl Media Day? And for those of you guys that watched the episode on Super Bowl Media Day, long story short, dressed up right, like reporters. Had, Rick had a fake microphone plugged into nothing, just running the cord running to the coat inside pocket. Uh, we had fake lanyards on. We ended up, we ended up uh, getting escorted around the stadium and getting, uh, meeting Sal Powell, going down the service elevator, sneaking on and interviewing and just hanging out there all day. And we gave her the whole story. We, in 20 minutes before we were on air, she just goes, How are you guys, how'd you guys get in there? Did that whole story? She's dying laughing. She thinks it's... What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Hysterical. She goes, holy shit. The ball's on you guys. To, to go into Super Bowl Media Day. And she's laughing. She waves over her main anchor and she's like, you got to come over here. Got to go over here. Tom, 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 come here. You got you to hear this story. So we do a super quick version of the story and he goes, oh my God, that's even better than you guys being reporters from New Jersey. Let's tell that story on air. <laughs> Rick. And that's what we did, Rob. You, uh, you broke the ice there. You told her the news and uh, we did a nice segment. I recall on NBC uh, good morning, Seattle. And uh, it aired live. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, it was a short piece, couple minutes, but it had pictures of our 10 days, 10 day games road trip. And then it also uh, featured our Super Bowl uh, escapade. So great time with Joyce. Shout out to her and her fans that follow the Brothers Brandt podcast. And um, that was just the start of the day because uh, after that, we drove back up to CenturyLink Field where we had just been the day before. Now this is Monday morning, about 10 a.m. And it was time to take a tour of the stadium. You know, get to see the behind the scenes, the locker rooms, the training areas, all the things that, you know, we didn't get a chance to see the day before. We wanted to further our education of Seattle arenas and stadiums. So Monday morning, early afternoon was tour day for us. And we typically like to take tours before the games because it gives us a little heads up of how to navigate the stadium and move around and see what there is to see. But in this situation, because we were in Oregon for back-to-back -back college football games on Friday and Saturday night, it did not allow for it. But nonetheless, we made it happen Sunday morning, CenturyLink, Sunday afternoon, Safeco, which is home to the Seattle Mariners. That was a fun tour. I remember getting into the dugouts with you, Rob. I think you were making some calls to the bullpen. I even, well, at one point, we were in the Astros locker room and you started putting on the catcher's gear 
as if you were going to play catcher that night. You had, I think, everything but the mask on at one point. Oh, yeah, I was decked out. That is something that the tour guides absolutely do not encourage. And I just did that when they had the blind eye going, slapped on the gear, uh, calling the ball, calling the, calling the pitches, uh, you know, give me the heater, give me the fastball in the locker room, you know, getting the, getting the calls down. And, uh, yeah, I made a couple calls to the bullpen, a couple calls to the bullpen. You know, I was really searching for the trash can, really wanted to find the trash can. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Maybe it was like, you know, in the back in the locker room. Uh, you know, this is during, this is when they're building up for their World Series championship. So let's not forget about that. It was a great time. I'll say that, Rob. The, the uh, place was beautiful. The stadiums were fantastic. And we stuck around that night because we had to see the Seattle Mariners take on the Houston Astros. Uh, which was a game that I don't recall either team having much uh, postseason promise this being in uh, late September, playoffs only a week away. Um, so the attendance was light. You and I were able to roam freely with our nosebleed tickets. I do remember that we ended up sitting pretty darn close to behind home plate and the um, third base dugout. So we had a great vantage point of just a great view and, and a fun night together in Seattle. Oh yeah. 100%. And you know, I know, I know the, uh, the, you know, musical chairs is not for everybody. I know some people don't like doing that. They like purchasing their ticket and then sitting in their respective seat. You know, it's interesting for going to all the sporting events that we go to like NFL. It's very hard to play musical chairs because there's only you know 16 games in a season and eight are home so it's like they're always sold out they're like almost always sold out unless the team is absolutely terrible and out of the playoff race towards the end but in the beginning of the year it's just very hard to do that um even big college football games like oregon always sold out same scenario oregon state similar that's why you go to the fan sections, the student sections. If you can get in them and you look like a student, don't be rolling in 65 years old trying to get in there, but they probably will love that. That's hilarious. Um, and, uh, but uh, with baseball, I'm just going to go on the record and say, guys, never buy an actual seat to a baseball game. Like don't spend the $100, $150, for a couple rows back. You know, just do yourself a favor buy the standing room only, buy the, buy the $20 ticket, and just move down. These stadiums are never filled up unless it's the playoffs. Like 40,000 stadium, 50,000 person stadium, unless it's opening day or first weekend or the playoffs, never filled. So you can go anywhere. Safeco, I will say, Rick, it's up there. I wouldn't say top five, but maybe top 10 nicest stadiums in baseball i'll say top 10 i'll confidently say it's a very beautiful stadium yeah you know having been to so many major league ballparks that's a good analysis rob i think at one point in the near future we'll probably put together our list of rankings for major league baseball stadiums but i put it probably around that 10 to 12 range a lot going on there beautiful design um, they've got a retractable roof that does slide in over the field if needed when it does rain. Um, yeah, nice design. Just everything about it is really cool. So yeah, phenomenal time in Seattle. Like the 
title of the podcast, Sleepless in Seattle, indicates, there wasn't much sleep going on. And that night, Rob, you and I ventured off onto one of the most epic and dangerous road trips that we've ever been on because this leg of this trip required us to leave the Seattle Mariners game at roughly 10 p.m. Pacific time and drive through the night 13 hours south to San Francisco, California, so that we could make it on time to our tour of the San Francisco Giants baseball stadium. And we had to leave at 10 o'clock and do this rigorous drive. Otherwise, we would not get to our tour, which we very much wanted to see on, what was it, Tuesday? Tuesday. You're right. You're right. This was one of the craziest. We called it the backbreaker. And when we do these sports road trips, or I do a lengthy drive at a time, I flash back. And I remind myself, Rob, you can make this drive. Rick, we can make this drive because of that sleepless in Seattle night. Seattle to San Francisco. You know, you summed it up perfectly, Rick. It was midnight, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. Our eyes are playing games on us. Not much sleep. Very dangerous. At one point, you and I were stopping every – 20 minutes to to have the other person drive because we were we were on a shift like at first it was like two hours each all right you do two hours I do two hours and then it's like you do two hours I do two hours and the other person would pass out and then regain consciousness as we were about to swerve off the road no I'm just kidding Um, and then and then the shifts went from hour to hour and then because it was 13 hours trip long it literally got down to like 30 minutes 30 minutes and then the sun finally came up and we got some life rejuvenated back into us so we could see. But I remember when it was dawn and like five o'clock in the morning and we were just going by these massive, massive mountain ranges in Oregon and Northern California. And in my head, I go, oh shit, I didn't see that there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it's true. It's exactly what I was thinking. I thought I was in like a, halo type video game like in a spaceship where just craters were coming at me and i was having to dodge them it was nuts we must have listened to oar like on repeat for like 13 hours just to try and keep us awake i think one point we started saying like we started playing like uh um get up come on get down with the sickness and like something just like and like some real hardcore metal just to try and keep us awake. <laughs> Had to open up the windows, get the air circulating in, anything that we needed to do, we did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, guys, obviously we made it to San Francisco. Shout out to Aaron Tarver. Um, slap, slept on his, uh, literally took like an hour nap at his apartment. Um, but we're going to get into that. We're going to get into our San Francisco story uh, next, next go around in episode 45. But this about does it for episode 44, Sleepless in Seattle. This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt. And we are the Brothers Brandt. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.